towards you today, God. Lord, you are my help. You are my strength. Oh, I worship you today, God. I honor you today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Everything I need can be found in you today, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you to our praise and worship team, our musicians, for worshiping, leading us in worship this morning. Amen. My eyes are towards Him. My eyes are towards Him. It doesn't mean just in the moments when it hits us right in front of the face, but in every situation, my eyes are towards Him in every circumstance. It's the only place I know my help really is from. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. As thinking about this Sunday, a lot of things are in the forefront of our mind. And if you don't want them to be, then they're just placed in front of you regardless anyway. And um, begin to think, I was reading over a verse. And don't worry, I'm not going to preach about coronavirus. However, it does cause us to stop and consider some things. It does cause us to have moments of reflection as things begin to happen. So this morning, I want to preach to you from a thought, when the fountains are tested, when the fountains are tested. Again, I'm not preaching about coronavirus, so if you think, well, I don't care about it and I don't have it, this message isn't for me. I'm not preaching about that today. However, there are moments in life that provide opportunities for us to re-examine, to look at things, to have a fresh perspective on things. So that's why I preach to you today when the fountains are tested. I want us to join together in prayer one more time. And let's pray for the Lord to have His way in every heart and life today. Lord Jesus, we come before you. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your spirit that I feel. And Lord, I know that the washing comes through your water of the word and through the spirit, God. And Lord, I pray that you would wash and purify me today, God, that you would cleanse my heart, my mind, my soul. Lord, that you would anoint my ears to hear your voice today, God. I want to hear what you are speaking to me, God. Lord, that you would test me, that you would try me, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen today in every heart that needs it. We give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I'm thankful that I serve the God that I do. Let's just get that out in the open and we could spend a long time and get real excited about the God that we serve. And I am going to take a moment to remind you at the start of this sermon that I'm thankful for the God that I know. I, and I think every so often we should be reminded about a few simple things. I know that we know them, but to just be reminded because when we are reminded through the Word of God, it increases our faith. It builds our faith in circumstances and situations. And so I want to remind you of a few simple things about the God that we serve. I'm thankful that I serve a God who knows all things. I'm thankful that I serve a God who is never caught by surprise. A God who knows the end from the beginning. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8 it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Let me remind you that today you sit in the presence of the Almighty, that you serve someone, a God who knows the end from the beginning. 
And so I can trust Him with my past. I can trust Him with my present. I can trust Him with my future. Isaiah chapter 41, it says, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am He. That we find that through Revelation and through Isaiah that God establishes a precedent that we can trust because He is the Almighty, that He is powerful, that He is true, that He holds all things in His hands. I'm thankful that I serve a God who never slumbers or sleeps. And in fact, I went to look up that verse and I found the psalm, Psalm 121, and I thought, that psalm is too good to leave just with one verse. And so I read to you Psalms 121 today. It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That's the God that we serve today. That's the God that we worship, that we have come out today and joined together to worship that God. I'm thankful I serve a God who has everything under control. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21, there are many devices in a man's heart or many plans. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that is what is going to stand. That when God says something, it puts everything in control. That when he speaks, that's what I can rest assured upon. I serve a God whose word is very sure. Matthew 24 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Because His word says, I can find forgiveness, then I can. Because His word says, I can find redemption, I can. Because His word says, I can be healed, I can be healed. Because His word said, He'll provide, He'll make a way, then I can trust and believe because it shall never pass away. I stand on the word of God. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we worship. This is the God in whom we trust. We lift our eyes to Him, not just randomly, but it's because of these things that we can put our hope and trust in Him. In Psalms chapter 87, the psalmist writes a song for the sons of Korah. Their job was to stand at the entrances of the gates it's a song that they could sing as they stood in service waiting at the entrances as people enter and exit the place of worship. I found that out and thought, man, I think I'll write a song for the ushers and greeters. <laughs> I'll write a little ditty that they can sing if they get bored greeting people and opening the doors. That's what this was, that they could sing that as they entered the house of God, as people entered and exited the house of God, they would sing this song, that they would say these words. And of course, they're uplifting words. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but they, they praise God and His holy city. They talk about His holy foundation. It mentions that foundation of God is in the holy mountains. And God speaks glorious things in the holy mountains. It 
talks about Zion being that great city and that it states that when God numbers the people, the psalmist says, I want the holy city to be counted as my place of origin. That's what I want to hear when I come into church is this is where I'm supposed to be. There's no place else I need to be but in the house of God. And when I leave, I know that I'm not leaving his presence, but I'm still counted in the house of God. This is a song that would be sung. They would say that it's in his temple, in his house that I can be found, that my strength comes from his house, and that's I get my help from his house. And then the psalm is unusual, though, because it, it, it doesn't have some of the psalms you read, they kind of lead in, but this is just a song that starts. And then it just ends rather abruptly. And it ends with Psalms 87, 7. And it says, as well, the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. And I found this, I, I, I read this verse, uh, it's, it's been a while ago, but this phrase has stuck with me, and it's that last phrase that I draw your attention to this morning. All my springs are in thee. It's kind of unusual because the psalmist is saying, I'm going to be found in the holy city, I'm going to do all this, and then, and then the singers and the players on instruments, the singers and musicians, they're all going to be there, because you don't want to sing all by yourself. But then he says, all my springs are in thee. That when someone leaves the house of God and they were singing this song, the last words they would hear on the way out were these, all my springs are in thee. You see, we know who God is. Briefly, we've mentioned who God is and there's no end. We could spend an hour just talking about who God is and the greatness of God. We have our Bibles and we read who God is. In fact, you and I, I hope that you do more than just have a knowledge of God. I hope you do more than just read about God. But I hope that you even have experienced who God is. I know that you've experienced God. I know there's people in this place that have experienced God as a healer, God as a deliverer, God as a provider. That They're not just words on a page. They're not just things that you know about God and you rejoice with somebody else. But you have experienced who God is in your life. In fact, if you have had a new birth experience, you have experienced the God of salvation. And I'm thankful that I encountered Him one day. Yet there's still these moments in life. There's moments that make us stop. There's moments and times in life when we are forced to stop and consider some things. Most of the time, these are personal moments. And we preach to these and, and people talk about them that... Uh, you know, at moments we're confronted by sickness that we hadn't planned on, that perhaps death touches us and we hadn't planned on that, or troublesome circumstances arise, confusion and uncertainty, or family issues begin to arise. It's very rare that we encounter as a group something happening altogether that makes us stop and think. We do have those pivotal moments for those of one generation, it could be all the way back to the 60s in a Kennedy assassination. For those of us that maybe are a little bit younger but getting older quickly, we distinctly remember 9-11. And there are moments that make us stop and think. And again, I'm not going to equate what's taking place now, whatever it may be, but we are given pause to stop and think, to consider. It's in these moments when the reality of a situation comes into seeming conflict with our beliefs, whether it's personal or something we experience together, that something begins to happen inside of us. 
when a situation doesn't turn out the way that we thought, when, when we pray for something and it doesn't happen, something comes into conflict. Luke chapter 8 and verse 17, Jesus says, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. That Jesus says, and I know some of these verses, they speak towards the end times when He judges us, but we have this idea that it doesn't matter what you keep buried inside, that at some point it will be made manifest, that you can't hide something forever, that you can't keep something secret forever, that at some point you will encounter something and it begins to come to the surface. You could encounter a situation, all of a sudden, anger begins to well up within you. Bitterness begins to well up in you. And it's in these moments, it's in these exact moments when reality and my faith and knowledge of God come in conflict that the source of my springs is revealed. The source of my springs. The psalmist says, all my springs are in thee. The psalmist makes this this statement in and the idea that we have of these springs and, and throughout Scripture we understand the way this word is used, this terminology that he is not talking about literal springs, but it's synonymous with the term fountain. These things speak to what is not seen by others necessarily. There may be something on the surface, but what is so valuable is what's underneath the surface. That there's a source underneath the surface and it may just be a little bubbling up above the ground, but the depth of that spring is under the ground. The depth of the fountain is found under the ground. It speaks to what is the real source, the beginning, what feeds, what is found deeper inside. And perhaps you've encountered one of these situations where it, it could have been a great service on Sunday and something happens in the middle of the week and all of a sudden you are confronted by what was just preached by your circumstance. And it becomes difficult to begin to say, all my springs are in thee, because there's a conflict inside. The idea of springs or fountains in Scripture, it speaks to my emotions. It speaks to my desires, to my will, to my motivations, to my hopes, and ultimately to my trust. My trust. In fact, you could put all of those words in place of what the psalmist says, all my springs are in thee. You could say all my desires are in thee. All my emotions are in thee. All of my will is in thee. All of my hope is in you. All of my trust is in you. And if you've lived life at all for any length of time, you know those moments come in conflict. When you, it is revealed where your trust is. It's in these trying moments when our source is brought to light. When things that were once hidden become exposed. And it becomes exposed in this way. Because the spring was a source of life. That's what it represented. Before there was water as we have it today. Jerusalem did not have a water tower that said Jerusalem right across it. Down there by the pottery factory. They, they, they didn't have water towers around there. There were no pipes where they turned on the faucet. I, I know you know that. That's not how they... Uh, got their water supply. In fact, though, the, the water supply was the most important thing. The most important thing. People would encamp around water sources. Before they would camp for the night, they would want to know where is the water. They traveled and based their journey upon water sources, from finding water source to going to water source. In fact, cities were founded 
around water sources. You did not build a city where there was no water because you cannot survive without the spring. Cities were founded upon this because finding that spring was important. But it wasn't just finding a spring. It wasn't just the spring. Well, there's water. We can start here. No, because if they found a spring, the source of the spring was just as important because the source affected the water. It didn't matter if there was water everywhere. If the water wasn't any good, it didn't matter how much of it there was. It was no good for anyone to use. It not only had to be a source of water they found, but it had to be the right water. All my springs are in you. If the source was not right, the water would not be right. And this is why the psalmist says when he speaks this and he states all my springs are in you. Is that he is stating that all of my hopes, all of my desires, all of my trust are in nothing else but God. It is only in Jesus Christ that I find the true source of everything that I need in my life. He is stating that all of my emotions, all of my hopes, all of my dreams are combined in one source, and that is God. Now, what this means to you and I, what this means, and I know you know some of this stuff, but I felt to remind you what this means to you and I is when my source is different. That means that I do not respond or face situations the same as everyone else. You see, that's where it comes out. It does not mean that you and I will not face anything in our life. I hope you know that by now, and I'm sure you've experienced it. That just because you decided and made a decision for God means that everything is easy now, and you never get sick, and bad things never happen. No, the rain falls on the just and upon the unjust. But what it does reveal in the middle of my situation is where my source is, because I don't respond the same way as everyone else. When my source is right, then all of a sudden my response is different. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Paul says, man, I had an issue. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. He said, I've had so many revelations. I didn't want to get all exalted. Wish I was there. I got so much revelation, it just pours out of my head. comes out of my ears. Every time I blow my nose, it's revelation. (laughs) He says, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Paul tells us that he had something that was a constant troubling companion. He doesn't tell us specifically, but many feel it was some sort of health issue, his eyes or something like that. And in fact, I, I, I was uh, texting with some the other day. They were talking about Paul and they were discussing what Paul must have actually looked like at some point in his life. Because the guy went through a lot. You can't be beaten thrice, shipwrecked, stoned, stoned so bad they thought you were dead and just walk up and look like the greatest thing since sliced bread. When you've had had your head bashed in a few times. So we find that Paul has this. And it says that he prayed for it three times to be healed. He sincerely went to the Lord, but it was never taken away. Now I want you to notice, first of all, that Paul is not talking about sin. Paul is not talking about, I can't quit doing whatever. I wish I could. But every time I pass a bar, I've got to stop in there. Right before I go to the synagogue. He's not talking about sin. 
Let me tell you, God does not leave sin in your life for you to struggle with it. He conquered and defeated sin. And He is not going to leave sin in your life so that you can have a problem and always turn to Him. No, that's not how God works. When you come to God, He removes sin from your life. Now, if you choose to put it back in, that's one thing. But God has conquered sin. He has defeated the enemy. There is no more sin. There's no condemnation. There's none of that. He will remove that from your life when you find an altar of repentance. So Paul is not talking about a thorn of sin. But the difference was Paul with Paul was that his springs were in Christ, if I can say it that way. The fountains, when the fountains were tested, Christ was revealed. So he viewed, not that with bitterness, or he didn't look at his situation and say, why does this happen to me? I don't understand why this is my lot in life. No, because his springs were in Christ, he views his situation entirely differently. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, the next verse, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me tell you, this is a guy who knew where his trust was, who knew where his hope lied, who knew where every emotion and every feeling that he struggled with. And God, why won't you do this? And I don't understand this. No, he knew that his grace in every situation was enough. And if God doesn't heal me, his grace is still enough and if God doesn't provide for whatever reason his grace is enough and if I'm not sure why this is happening in my life his grace is enough for me because I know where my source is I know where my springs are I know where my trust is and so when the fountains are tested I look up I look to God I look to his grace I look to his mercy He understands it's only because of the power of God that he can even do what he does in his condition. If it was his eyesight, think about the power of God in that man. That the guy can barely see and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's only by the power of God. If you begin to think that he had no physical form that, that would uh, uh, cause anyone to even look at him, and he went to synagogue to synagogue, and people were converted, untold churches started, you begin to see what he means, that I will glory in my infirmities. That doesn't mean that he's just oh, so happy that this has happened to him. No, but he knows that when my infirmities are there, that's an opportunity for God and His grace to show up. That's an opportunity for God's power to show up in my life. Let me tell you that life and circumstances will come against us. They'll try to crush the life out of us. Sometimes the weight is so heavy in our life. But the difference comes not in what happens to you, but how you can respond because of where the springs are established. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness, and fear. Let me tell you why it's important for you to have the right source for when bad things happen and good things come out. It's important to have that source because people should see my life and not wonder why it's perfect and not wonder why nothing bad happens to me. No, they should look at my life and see me in the midst of a tough time and say, I don't know how they've got hope, but I want the hope that they have. I don't know how they can make it through that circumstance, that situation, but they've got a trust like I've never seen. 
seen before. They've got a joy I've never seen before. A peace that passes all understanding. This is the difference between you and I. It's because we have a different source inside of us. So this is why I worship through pain. This is why I rejoice despite sorrow. And Paul says, yes, we'll have sorrow, but we don't sorrow like everyone else. This is why I continue trusting beyond what is natural, because I have trust in a supernatural. I want people to see Christ in me. I want people to see the hope of glory in me. I want them to see a source that is not of this world that they want in their life. But life and circumstances are not the only things that come against the springs in our life. Life and circumstances are not the only thing that test the fountains in our life. You see, there was a typical way in ancient times when that water source was so vital, so important. There was a typical way that people would retreat if they were in battle in ancient times. There were certain things that conquering armies would do when they would want to totally eradicate a city or a nation. It's mentioned many places in Scripture, but we find one example in 2 Chronicles 32. It says, And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come, and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains, which were without the city, and they did help him. You see, there was a strategy of an army in retreat. That when they were leaving, they did not want to leave the water source for the enemy. Because it, just as much as it was powerful to them, it was power for the enemy now. They would fill in the wells. They would cover the springs. They would block up the fountains so the enemy couldn't use the water. Likewise, when a conquering army would enter into a city or a location and, and they wanted to lay complete waste to the city, they would destroy the walls, they would destroy the houses, they would burn it, but then you read many times where they would destroy the springs. They would fill them in with dirt, they would fill them in with rocks, and the, they were emphasizing the fact that we do not want anyone to live here again. This place is desolate and destroyed. No habitation. You find at one point where they go and redig Abraham's wells, Jacob's wells, where they had been filled in before. This was the tradition, and so we find not only is life and circumstances sometimes come to test the foundation and the fountains of our life, but let me remind you there is an enemy of your soul who would like nothing more than to destroy the springs in your life. Make no mistake that the enemy will use every circumstance. While everything may not come from Satan, he will use every circumstance, he will use every situation, and he will use every opportunity to throw a little more dirt, to roll a few more rocks onto your spring, trying to hamper what is a life-giving source. Let me tell you, you need a spring in your life. We agree that that spring is Jesus Christ. But the enemy of your soul knows that if it can do anything to hamper that, if it can do anything to begin to slow down that stream in your life, if it can cause it to get to a trickle or disappear completely, that the enemy will make you a place that's inha inhabitable. The enemy will use everything. Again, I don't think everything comes from the devil, but I know the devil will take every opportunity he has. Whether that sickness came from the devil, the devil will start right away on your mind. 
And you know what he'll go to? He'll start, we've talked about it on Wednesdays. He'll start attacking that relationship. You know what? You lived for God this whole time. You've done right. You've given an, an offering. You did extra stuff. And how can you still trust God? He attacks the source of the spring. He says, how can you believe that he's a healer? How can you stand and sing that song when there's sickness in your life? How can you believe that your children will come back when they get farther away? How can you believe the situation is going to work out when it's just getting worse and worse? You can't trust God. You can't believe God. And he begins to turn our eyes towards other things. The enemy will use any situation. He doesn't care. And there's people in this place. It may have been a moment that you can pinpoint where you know it all changed. You know it all changed. You may know the exact moment when something entered your life and something was shut down in your life. That you know, well, however it came, there was a circumstance, a situation, a, a prayer that you don't think was answered the way that it should have been answered. And all of a sudden, something shuts down. And you don't leave church with that phrase on your lips, all my springs are in you. No, you come to church and above the surface it's alright. But underneath, there's not much there. In fact, there's little living there because there is no source, there is no life, there is nothing there. And you know exactly when it happened. You know the day the spring dried up. You know the day the fountains were tested and they were found to fail. Some of you know the spring has changed. But it's not been just a moment. It's been something that's gradually happened. Because you and I have all been there. The straw that broke the camel's back. And you look back and think, what was it that made me respond that way? What was it that, well, I don't know really what it was, and you begin to say, well, it was when this happened, or this happened, or this happened, and all individually you think those are just inconsequential things, but you know the piling up, the piling up, and the piling up, the shovelfuls of dirt every so often that the enemy throws our way, the, the couple of rocks that he rolls our way when it wasn't a major prayer, but we don't feel like the small prayer was answered, or this didn't take place, and the enemy begins to slowly, over time, begin begin to fill in the spring in our life. And all of a sudden, what happens is we realize in a moment when we need life-sustaining power in those dark times and we turn to the source and there's nothing there anymore. You realize where your springs are. They're not in God anymore. You know the spring has changed. What was once a life-giving thing where there was once joy where God was once your delight. Not just something you did, but He was your delight. Where you found glory in going to His house, but now it's a ritual. It's just something that you do. Where prayer was something that you enjoyed on a daily basis, but now it's something that you turn to in crisis. is just maybe something you'll do. Where His Word is no longer a lamp and a guide, but it's an occasional nice uplifting passage. And you find yourself thirsty. Thirsty. Searching for water, for life, anywhere. And you begin to look because we all need a source. We all need something there. That's, that it, we are created that way. And so we begin to look to a future job. We begin to look for a career. Young people that feel the call of God and all of a sudden something happens and they turn their eyes towards their future. And it doesn't involve God as much as it once did. And you look to new friends or you turn to family endeavors or your hobbies become more important. Work is where you find validation. Providing for your family becomes more important. And you you derive your source from those things 
But let me tell you, that's not where your strength comes from. You know there's no real joy there. You know there's some measure of fulfillment, but there's nothing really there. You know the drive is no longer in Christ. You know somehow the spring has changed. The fountain has changed. My desires have changed. And whether you know the exact moment or whether it happened gradually over time, the hopes, the trust is not what it once was. And it's to you that I challenge today as I close this morning. So what do I do in these moments? Music can come. What do I do in these moments? I think I had too much sanitizer this week. It's made me preach shorter. I'm not done yet. What do I do in these moments? When a circumstance hits me and I realize what was once there is no longer there. Let me tell you, the more you live for God, the greater that spring should become that greater that fountain should become, that you don't have to look and wonder where your strength comes from, that there's no question in your mind, this is what I'm going to do. I know where my strength happens. I know where it comes from. I know where joy and peace come from. That's what should happen, but we know that things begin to happen. So what do I do in these moments? I have a few verses to read to you today. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2 and 3. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, because of that, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. You see, here's the amazing thing. Is that when I can't find help, God knew there would be moments when I I wouldn't turn the right way, when I would make poor choices, when I would find myself dry and thirsty despite everything He'd done. And He said, there's still a well you can go to. And it's called salvation. You see, because all of us experienced that moment. All of us experienced a moment of thirst. When we realized The life that I'm living is not providing what I need. There is something more. Let me tell you today, if you have not experienced what God can give you and you are thirsty today, today is the day when that thirst can be quenched. And there was that moment when our springs, it wasn't working right, the fountain wasn't right, the source was incorrect, and we turned to all sorts of things. But there was that moment when we came and we had nothing to offer. And God said, why don't you dip into the wells of salvation? And I will give you water that you can pour on your dry and thirsty soul, that you can begin to pour on your spirit. And all of a sudden, just like Elijah, when he told him, pour water over the sacrifice, man, it flooded everything. It was everywhere. It washed. It cleansed. And in a moment, the fire of God fell. And it changed my life forever because I drew from the wells of salvation. I'm here to tell someone today that that well is still available. That salvation is not just for those who have never experienced. But there are moments in my life when I have to go all the way back to the beginning and say, Lord, I'm going back. You're my salvation. I'm going to trust and not be afraid. You are my strength and my song. You are my salvation. And Lord, I know I've strayed away. Lord, I know I've changed things around. But I'm coming back to the well today. I'm coming back to salvation. 
salvation. I'm coming back to that moment where I felt you so powerful in my life. John chapter 7, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. There's no qualifications. The only way you have to come to God is thirsty. That's it. He's speaking to people. He's speaking to Pharisees. He's speaking to publicans. He's speaking, not Republicans, publicans. He's speaking to everyone that's present there that day. And he says, it doesn't matter if you know the law backwards and forwards. It doesn't matter if you don't care about God. If you're thirsty, come and I'll give you a drink. I don't care if you're backslidden. I don't care if you've given up on God. I don't care if you don't, if if there's nothing going on in your life. If you come to him thirsty, he will give you to drink. And this is why you need to. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has saying, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me tell you this morning, something can start out of you again today. He says it's like a river coming out of you. In fact, isn't that how we explain the Holy Ghost to people? This is why we believe in speaking in tongues because the Holy Ghost is in here but it comes out of you through speaking in tongues. I'm telling you today, someone needs to let the river come back out. They need to let, God will give you to drink but you need to let that spring start bubbling up in you again. You need to let that river begin to start coming out of you again. There needs to be something so that you know that there's something there that I can grab a hold of that life is in me again. Psalms 51, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I think there's some people here today that maybe, no, I, I, I know you, you may not seem far. Maybe you are far from God, I don't know. But you know what's going on inside. That simply need to pray that prayer along with David. Say, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. To know that I'm saved. Let me tell you, the, the knowledge that comes with knowing I'm saved is a greater joy than knowing that I'm healed knowing that He's provided, knowing that I've got a check in the mailbox. The joy of my salvation is really what I need. That's where my strength comes from. Because I know if He loved me enough to save me, then He'll keep me. He'll keep me all the way. He'll protect and lead and guide. You see, when the enemy blocks the springs, the fountains, when they're tested and there's nothing there, you need to reach back into those wells of salvation past everything built up that the enemy has thrown in there, that life and circumstance may have thrown in there. And you need to allow the joy of your salvation to be restored. This is the real source. The Holy Ghost is the source of everything you need. Let me tell you what, it's not just something we do as a third step to be saved. It is what you need in your life to live every day. It is what you need to overcome. In fact, it's, it's what's supernatural in your life. Until you've got the Holy Ghost, it's just natural and that's fine. we got to submit our wills to Him. But you need something supernatural in your life to overcome the things that life and the enemy will throw at you. You need something supernatural. It's the only thing that really gives peace that passes understanding, joy unspeakable, strength in trials, the ability to continue another day. In Numbers chapter 21, I got bunches of verses today. It says, and from thence they went to beer. That's the good beer. That is the well whereof the Lord spake unto Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, sing ye unto it. See, that's what needs to happen. 
is we need to pray, spring up within me again today, God. Spring up within me. Spring up within me. Lord, let something stir inside of me. I'm going to start worshiping like there's something there. I'm going to praise like I don't feel like. And you know what? Spring up, oh well. Sing ye unto it. Prophesy to yourself that you know what? There's something coming. There's something happening. I believe that as I worship, as I respond to God, that something's going to stir inside of me. Let me tell you, you can't keep praising God and something not happen. Something begin to stir inside of you. And let me tell you, before long, it's going to start stirring and it's going to come out like a river. Something is going to change inside of you today. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, Exodus 15, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness, found no water. There was no spring. There was nothing. There was no life, no sustenance. And when they came to Marah, they found a spring. They found something there, but they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Let me tell you what, there's people that have bitter springs in this place. There's people that have fountains that have been messed up, that are, are, are your, your life, you've thrown all kinds of stuff in there. There's unforgiveness, there's, there's all kinds of things because what, and, and, and it doesn't matter the root of it at some point, it's there. But let me tell you today, in Exodus 15 verse 25, Moses cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Showed him a tree. That tree is here today. It's called a cross. In fact, it's prophesied in the Old Testament, he shall be called a branch. Jesus Christ is that tree. The cross represents the sacrifice. And when they had cast it into the waters, it did not matter what the water was like before. If it was salty, if it was bitter, if people didn't want to be around you because of what's going on. All of a sudden, the waters weren't just made normal. They were made sweet. That's something that people wanted, that they desired it. Therefore, he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there, he proved them. He showed up and said, you know what? If you will bring the bitterness... If you will bring the heartache, if you will bring the pain and the hurt and be willing to bring it to me, I will create the spring in your life. I will change it. I will make it sweet. I will make it new. I will make it something desirable that people desire in your life. Let me tell you, there's an answer for a bitter soul. There's an answer for the troubled spring. There's an answer for the questioning, the struggling, the fearful, the anxious, the unsure. The answer is a tree that needs to be added to the waters. And I close with this, I, I promise, because this is what the cross can do. It says in Isaiah, this is what the cross does. It gives unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. They shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. All the things that the enemy has destroyed. All the things that life has said, this is uninhabitable. You can't do anything here. It's gone. It's lost. Let me tell you, there's a tree that you need today. There's a Savior that you need today. There's a well of salvation. You need to draw from today, whether you've experienced the Holy Ghost before or whether you've never had it, I encourage you reach into the well today let something be drawn today that goes inside of you that changes everything that comes out of you today as we stand this morning oh when the foundations are tested 
Am I going to leave this place today and say, my springs are in you, Lord. I know where my hope rests. I know where my desires are. It doesn't matter what circumstances or situations. It doesn't matter what's taking place in this world. I know it's all pulling for my attention. It's pulling for my eyes to be turned from Jesus. But I'm looking to you, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm here to challenge someone. You need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost today. You need the joy of your salvation restored. You can leave this place in peace. You can leave this place with joy. You can leave this place with a love beyond this world. You can leave this place filled with the power of God. I want us to pray right now. Lord Jesus, we come before you. God, so thankful that our hope rests in you. Lord, that everything that we need can be found in you. And Lord, we come before you. You know who we are. You know our frame. You know how we are created. And God, you know there are circumstances, situations, things that begin to happen that turn us from you, whether it's all of a sudden or gradually. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes of understanding to see that, you know what, you are not far off, God, but you are still near. That you have not forgotten us. That you have not left us. That it is not hopeless. That we are not left desolate. But Lord, you are here to take our ashes and our sorrow and our pain and our brokenness and give us beauty and oil and praise for heaviness God Lord I pray that someone would reach down into that well of salvation today and they would begin to pull up and they would be reminded of all that you have done of who that you are God that you are still on the throne today oh I'll open this altar this morning if you want to come and have your salvation the joy of your salvation restored maybe you just need to talk to God maybe you're not at the point where you, you know it's all covered up and it's all a mess but maybe you feel like the enemy started to throw a little dirt on that spring Maybe it feels like the fountain's been tested. Let me tell you what will unclog that for you. It's the Holy Ghost. It'll well back up within you when I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. When I begin to let the Holy Ghost affect me and wash me and cleanse me today. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let's call out to Him today. Come on, wash me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. I reach into that well of salvation today. I reach back all the way, and I remember the joy of my salvation. I know that joy is still there. I know that peace is still there. Lord, lift my eyes back to You. Turn my eyes back to You.